0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Millennium Live. Very happy to be here. We have a great guest today. We have Tam Ayers. He is the field CTO for North America at DigiBee. We, uh, DigiBee, great company. we There are uh, enterprise integration redesigned. And I'm very happy to be talking to Tam today. So Tam, I want to welcome you to the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we're going to jump right into the questions for this technology chat, and I want to hear all your thoughts about it. So new technology launches every day. You know, with uh, existing technologies falling behind. So to start, how would you advise companies to balance, you know, the old with the new, and and what steps might you recommend to keep
1: things as up to date as possible? You know, that that's a great question. And the rate of change of new technology is just insane these days. It's it's even hard for someone that you know eats, sleeps, and breathes technology every single day to keep up with all the new innovations that are happening. But that's where I think, you know, conferences, you know, like the Millennium Alliance provides, as well as you know, different kind of thought leadership papers are really great ways to do it, but and to keep up with new technologies. But as, as lead as CIOs are balancing the the tactical versus the strategic day and day, what I'd notice and I've said here is that many different Solutions or outcomes that leaders are trying to solve with technology have already been solved before, so the biggest thing here is to not try to reinvent the wheel or think that your situation is super unique to where there's not some other piece of technology or guidance or advice out there to be able to to, to help uh, to solve that same problem so leaning in on your peers and networking and, and asking them how they've solved similar challenges, either whether it's across industry segment or, or size of the of the company that you work for or working with those are really the best ways to find you know innovative kind of new things and new solutions that might not have existed years ago when that problem first came up on your radar but now you're looking to looking to solve right so keeping that intellectual curiosity but when you're doing that search and you're trying to find out about new things really keeping it on an outcome driven approach what are we ultimately looking to solve and then kind of looking at technology that way because people aren't bringing especially in a more inflationary environment that we're in right now and having to do more with less People aren't just looking for technology for the sake of technology. So really looking after things for a problem that you're trying to solve and then finding out who's done that before and, and getting recommendations and hearing about new things that way is what I'd normally recommend to,
0: to, to senior leaders. Hmm. Well, that's a good start. And, and uh, you kind of referenced this already. So integration definitely means different things to different people. So I want to know, what does it mean to you?
1: You know, that, that, is a, uh, that is a great point. It does mean a lot of different things, kind of like the word cloud means different things to people as well. You know, I think as humans, we all long for some kind of connection. We all long to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And in the technology world, we just call that an integration. If you think about every single app or experience that's out there, it wouldn't be much if it just interacted with itself or stayed kind of local to the device or the system in which you're interacting with it in. But if you think about it, integration is truly the communication Across the, uh, across the work landscape. So like we use Slack and Teams and other chat protocols to communicate as humans with one another at work, data and the way that those connections flow between systems is the way that work is actually communicated um, outside of that kind of just human interaction, right? So the way that I see integration is truly bringing together multiple solutions and, da- and utilizing that data between multiple solutions, products and services to drive some kind of better outcome or cause.
0: You know, Tim, you've worked for other technology companies. You have a great background. You've worked for companies like ServiceNow. And you've referenced the you know this concept now of, of integration and sort of the importance of a connected enterprise. And I want to know what your definition would be for a connected enterprise. Is there a problem with the way things are being done today? And also, what does the future look like in terms of a truly connected enterprise?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would say that these connections across all areas of the business are becoming more and more digital. There's more and more technology that's influencing everything from back office, middle office, and even into the front office as well. And so if you start thinking about the bar for what kind of digital experiences are needed, it just keeps getting higher and higher. And a lot of that might have been driven by the pandemic where, you know, you have 70, 80 year olds that have never used Zoom like we're on today, right? To be able to do that. But now everybody, you know, it's like second nature. So there's many different things that the forces that are pushing that and more technology there. But that's going to cause that data and the integration and the silos between different areas of the organization's or between your partners or your supply channels or your, 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 um, your customers. Those things are going to become, those silos need to start breaking down even more. And so when I was field CTO at ServiceNow and having a lot of conversations with customers there, it was how do you make the world of work better by breaking down a lot of those different silos and making sure that work can seamlessly flow across the enterprise. And we're seeing this evolution now to where the enterprise is becoming more composable. So essentially almost thinking of them as Lego blocks that need to interact with other areas of the business, no matter what work is trying to get done. Integrations between IT and HR and and HR to finance. These are things where that data and that work need to be able to seamlessly flow. But instead of having a really centralized IT organization where all the development talent and all the integration specialists are purely focused there to where every line of business had to go back to IT for every single connection that had to be bonded, you're starting to see more and more technical talent, even developers that now work for these different lines of businesses or different areas of the enterprise. And so they're responsible for making sure that their product, their organization, their services are connected to the rest of the organization. And so this has moved from a more centralized, everything within IT is more centralized to a more decentralized approach where technology is just embedded across the organization. And as we continue to see that trend evolve, a way to be able to build connections more more quickly, no matter what protocol, what language, what style you need data to be able to flow, whether it's in 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 a batch process or in real time or in a flat file or in an API, you need to be able to seamlessly connect these different areas of the enterprise because that's the strategic differentiator. How effectively, how efficiently, and how quickly you can connect the enterprise to solve a problem that your customers, your partners need to have solved—that's effectively what makes you more agile in this environment, which can be a competitive differentiator. So, I see this concept of the composable enterprise really being something that shapes the, the near-term future around how technology trends and, and integrations will rise to solve some of the problems that come from that. Mm. Well, I just want to mention that it sounds like uh, a platform
0: like DGB. Is helping enterprises compete in this rapidly changing digital environment that we find ourselves in. I want to ask you a question about integration and automation. You know, there's a lot of conversation in the industry about both of these, and they both provide value. So, what might you build an integration strategy incorporating both of these technologies?
1: Yeah, you know, automation is definitely an outcome of of of, trying to increase productivity and and doing more with less. And, And how do we take those mundane tasks, automate them where necessary so that we can more focus on high priority tasks. And that is an outcome that a lot of CIOs, a lot of senior leaders that I've spoken with have on their agenda. And those are rightful goals, but sometimes it's pitted against automation versus integration when really I think that integration ultimately is something that helps enable automation. Now, there's a lot of solutions out there just to, to, to try to get to the same outcomes of a more automated or a more integrated world. And I think it really comes down to the differences in what is the ultimate goal and the persona that you want to solve the actual, the actual integration you know, use case. There's solutions that are out there that are focused in on citizen developers or people that are maybe more, you know, people that are really um, proficient in things like Excel and, and, and can understand how to, you know, uh, more of an analysis kind of side, more of a technical analyst role, if you will. Some people call them citizen integrators or citizen developers. These are people that don't have fundamental IT or or software development backgrounds. And there's a lot of tools out there that help them um, automate workflows kind of on the fringes of the areas of business. Oh, I got some order in in Salesforce and now I need that, you know, I get an alert in Slack. That's a quick automation that I can use some some solutions out there to be able to build in a no-code fashion. And that's great. However, we're talking about random acts of digital kind of on the fringe that do add enterprise value. But when you start thinking about the core integrations like that align back to critical business processes that might touch multiple areas of the enterprise, cash to close, hire to retire, right? Those kinds of bigger enterprise processes, those are things that are gonna take the involvement of more serious professional developers that need to think about things like resiliency, scalability, supportability, observability, how do they extend it? How do they adapt it? How do they monitor it? Right. These are things that that you're not going to necessarily trust a non-developer to go out and build when it's when it's a mission-critical workflow. And so that's why I think that there's really kind of different classes when it comes to integration technologies. Are you focused on empowering productivity of the non-developer, the citizen integrator, and helping them with mundane tasks that that are on their kind of day-to-day light, you know, fringes of the of the of the enterprise, or are you looking on trying to use integrations as a key differentiator for mission-critical workflows to build much faster integrations and connections between areas of the composable enterprise, and these are the integrations that are, that are kind of mission-critical to keeping the business operating and running, and so these people need to kind of understand what problem they're looking to solve, who's ultimately going to be solving them, and then say, is this just a quick automation, or is there a bigger integration effort in which a byproduct might be inter- uh, automation as an outcome of doing this bigger integration work? So it really just comes down to who's solving it and what problem we're trying to solve.
0: That's a really great point. And I want to go more into depth on that. So Digibee launched the State of Enterprise Integration Report with with interesting findings and, and clear indicators that the pace of innovation can be helped or hurt by having, or lack thereof, an integration strategy. So... What did you learn from this report? And you know, how might you guide other leaders and in technology on their path to defining their own integration strategy?
1: Yeah, it, it was a it's a great report and it shared a lot of great insights. And even if you you know, if I think about my previous role and I think about Bill McDermott, actually about a year ago, made a comment saying, it was CEO of ServiceNow and ex uh, SAP CEO said that integration is, the one, is the, one of the biggest things that's haunted the enterprise, using the word haunting of the enterprise. And I think our report actually kind of highlights that. It's showing that you know, a good majority and overwhelming, almost two-thirds of the, people out, of the people that we interviewed from you know, larger IT organizations, you know thousand-plus you know, uh, people working for these entire companies, these CIOs and, and, and senior leaders in IT have told us that you know, about two-thirds of them said that they need to have an enterprise integration strategy and it would be something that's critical for them. However, only 7% said they currently had one. So there's a huge gap between what people want and what they're saying they need and then what they have. And then 51% actually said that they're, they're planning on embracing or building an enterprise integration strategy over the next 12 months. And so there's this big renewed focus recently on the importance of integrations, how that makes the experiences that ultimately matter, and then focusing in on how do we build something that's, that's that's agile, but also going to be scalable and resilient and help us not only connect today, but how we're going to connect in the future. And, and coming up with an approach that maybe doesn't mean it's the same technology or standard across every integration use case, but at least a common way that we're going to attack a problem or a common way that we're going to go through you know, a decision matrix on what we're going to use to be able to solve. And so in finding this, we've also found that a lot of the solutions that are out there, I would say that we're kind of in generation three of the solutions like ourselves, which is an, inter- an enterprise integration platform as a service. A lot of the enterprise right now are using systems that were made 10 plus years ago that were migrated to the cloud and said, oh, they're cloud native now, but really they're just some VM or some kind of enterprise service bus that was migrated up to the cloud. Our, our solution is a more microservices, Kubernetes-based approach that's built on GCP, but also can be deployed to you know AWS, Azure, Um, or or your own GCP account. So what we've thought when it comes to the state of integration report is how do we meet people where they are with the pain points that they have, but let them build something that doesn't change the way that they architect the problems, but says, okay, you come up with your design, you come up with the way that you want to do your integration architecture, and we're gonna meet you there. and, and, And that the tool do the work for you in the way that you want it to do versus you changing your strategy because of how the tool works. And that's why we've really taken an approach on focusing in on developers and empowering them with low-code solutions, not to replace them, but to make them more, more agile with what they're approaching. And that state of integration report highlighted the need for, for technologies that, met custom, that meets customers where they are versus dictating to them how they need to build the integration themselves.
0: I appreciate that, uh, that take on the enterprise integration report from you. And I want to dive into DigiBee's technology. It's, uh, it mentions that it's cloud-native, low-code, fully recyclable, and discoverable. You were quoted recently by saying any low-code platform should accelerate value delivery to the business, not the other way around. Uh, for me personally and for our audience, can you tell us the difference uh, between no-code and
1: low-code platforms? <laughs> that, that's another one of those terms I think that means a lot of different things to a lot of people. You know, I, I'll say... <laughs> if you started talking about citizen integration tools or low code about five years ago, and I, I know this when I, again, walking into customers talking about this from ServiceNow's perspective, IT looks at you or developers look at you like you're coming after their job, right? And and that, that that's not something that they want to embrace. Like, it's like, oh, you're trying to belittle my job and saying we're doing, we can do it with no code now, right? Or low code now, right? Versus I had all this experience and a degree around it. But what's interesting is, there's so many tools now and solutions, not just in the integration space, that are focused on empowering developers. With there's things in areas of their job where writing, even writing a bunch of code that they don't like to do. So if you start looking at VS Code and some of these other IDEs with IntelliSense, it's actually taking away a lot of the coding that they have to do. Not removing the need for the skill set, not removing all code completely, but just taking the more boring, mundane parts of their job—the part, you know, error checking, things like that—and and and using AI and low code tools and more UI to be able to, 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 to assist the development process. And so where something might've been considered shadow IT five years ago, because you're bringing in some solution for citizen integrators, now it's more embraced, right? With, with, with some of that. And also more of these tools are being embraced by developers because it lets them focus on the fun, exciting problem solving areas of their job versus the, the, the mundaneness that it comes to, to debugging and making their code formatted exactly correctly. And so this is that key differentiator I was talking about earlier of saying, how do we make it low code enough towards an experience that's focused on developers being very clear with them? We're not trying to replace you. We're, you still need to understand JSON. You need to understand REST. You need to understand these different pieces of technology, but just making it so you can focus on solving the integration problem the way you want to solve it versus... Trying to figure out exactly how SAP works or trying to figure out exactly that Oracle database schema or trying to figure out exactly how to get this flat file off off of some main or off of some FTP server or some mainframe connected to a Kafka topic in the cloud. These are things that are normally really hard that you have to learn all these ancillary other tasks to build the integration when, when really it's just you have to learn something to learn something else so that then you can go back and actually do the integration work. We can take all of that out of the equation and let you just focus on the problem at hand. And so this is why you're starting to see now, especially especially when development resources and talent is hard to find and hard to maintain and hard to keep you know, with, at your company with, with kind of the wage inflation that's going on now. How do we make your IT developer, your, your developers more productive? And that's why our largest customers, they, they actually classify us as an IT productivity solution. We just happen to do that using an integration platform. Mm.
0: You know, many companies are claiming to improve the developer productivity, but it, says, it sounds like low code impacts developer productivity a lot.
1: 100%. Where there's less codes, there's less room for things to go wrong, right? So it's it's already tested components and things like that that, that make it a lot easier. Mm.
0: So uh, based on everything that we've talked about today, uh, Tam, and I want to thank you again for your time, uh, where does did you be fit into this big picture? You know, it must be overwhelming to try and choose solutions out there and partners that align uh, with organizations when it comes to creating a connected enterprise. Tell us
1: a little bit about why DigiBee is probably number one. Yeah, you know, I made a made a career decision to come over and leave and left an amazing opportunity and company at service now in a great position to to come over here and take a risk and and, and because I truly believe in this technology and what we're looking to do and solve, right? And I see that every day with some of the large enterprise customers that we're working with and, and growing at three hundred percent year over year. But I'd say that you know, there's two winners in every opportunity and deal from a sales perspective: those that you know qualify first, and the ones that qualify out first. And so for us, it's really a matter of finding to make sure that hey. Are you looking for a solution that empowers your developers to connect any data source to any data type and to do that in a fraction of the time? Are you looking to modernize and move away from batch-based processes and go to more an event-driven microservices scalable architecture built on this generation's cloud? Because we've had customers that, that, hey, they want to keep with their batch processes. And while we can help with that, we're trying to help you shift left. We're trying to help you get into this more microservices world. And if you're not willing to do that, then we might not be the right fit for you. Right. And so so when there are customers that are out there that are really looking to solve these integration challenges and hurdles, are looking to buck the trend of saying, hey, we've always done it this way and we're, you know, so we're going to keep doing it that way, or the ones that want to change integrations into a strategic differentiator for them, because instead of t- taking months and years that we can do things in literally weeks or hours in some cases, those are the kinds of people that are that are kind of that are winning with us. And in doing that in a model, that is actually what our CRO calls suspiciously cheap for our customers to be able to do and compared to that of you know, a MuleSoft or a Boomi or some of our other competitors. So if you're looking to empower developers as a part of your integration strategy, and you're looking to, to be able to help connect even the most disparate systems across your enterprise in a really scalable cloud native way, those are the places where we can absolutely help.
0: That's awesome. And Tim, I don't wanna let you go uh, before asking you, uh, what you think the future is and just in the space in general, I mean, even for you, uh, you're a technologist. So what's the future looking like even in like the next two to five years?
1: I, I think that data is, is it, you know, that kind of underpins a lot of these integrations and the reason you need it. I think it's gonna continue to be more and more decentralized. I think that you're going to start seeing a lot more data in motion versus kind of centralized data stores where everything is going in and out of that hub and spoke model is is something that I think is gonna be continuing to go away. And I think that, that how, how you build your pipelines and integrations around a more decentralized, composable world is what's going to be the most important kind of driving factors. If we start thinking about things like digital twinning and omni-channel experiences and, and the digital immune system that, that people are starting to talk about, even the metaverse, some of those big kind of terms, all of those things are dependent on a fluid, connected data strategy. You cannot build experiences that matter for people without having the data that you need to drive those experiences where they are. And so as the world becomes more and more data-driven and data-dependent and more data is created, the way in which you approach your data and operationalize it is going to continue to be more and more key. And so the data might be the most valuable thing your company has on your customers and on your employees and on your partners. So how you continue to operationalize that in the future is is going to be a differentiator of how you're able to compete.
0: Tim Field CTO of North America at DigiBate, thank you so much for having this awesome chat with me today and for joining the Millennium Live podcast. Looking forward to, to the event. Thanks. Thanks again for having me.